The following is an encore performance. You're listening to Tales from the South. This is Paula Morell, and welcome to the Tales from the South podcast. tonight. Well, welcome to Starving Artist Cafe in the Argenta Arts District of North Little Rock, Arkansas, and to a very special edition of Tales from the South, a series we call the Tin Roof Project, where well-known Southerners bring their own two stories to life in front of a live audience. Tales from the South is presented by William F. Lehman Public Library right here in North Little Rock, Arkansas. And tonight's show is sponsored by the Argenta Arts Foundation. I'm your host, Paula Morell. So how about tonight's band, the old 78s? What'd you think? They have CDs for sale after the show, and you can check out their website at theold78s.com. To my left here, strumming his 1931 national resonator is blues guitarist Mark Simpson. Mark wrote our theme music and is here with us every week playing the blues. And our incredible set back here made of genuine screen doors from the Arkansas Delta with mixed media portraiture are by esteemed artist V.L. Cox from her Images of the American South collection. A portion of the proceeds from the sale of these works goes to Tales from the South. More can be seen at her website, greatfineart.com. On tonight's Tin Roof Project, we are thrilled to bring you the amazing and talented Natalie Canterday. A native of God's Country, AKA Russellville, Arkansas, and a graduate of Hendricks College, Natalie has appeared in 26 films from the big budget box office favorites, October Sky, Walk the Line, and Biloxi Blues, to the non-budget, critically acclaimed independent films, One False Move, Sling Blade, and Shotgun Stories. For her performance in One False Move, Natalie received a two-minute Oscar from Interview Magazine Other recipients that year included Al Pacino for Sin of a Woman and Jim Broadbent for The Crying Game. In 1997, Natalie and the cast of Sling Blade were nominated for Best Ensemble Performance at the Screen Actors Guild Awards. In 2000, she was invited to participate in Robert Redford's prestigious Sundance Institute Filmmakers Lab along with Sally Field, Jake Gyllenhaal, Condi Alexander, Michael Shannon, and others. Natalie's alma mater, Hendricks College, presented her with the 2007 Odyssey Award for Artistic Creativity. In 2010, Natalie won Best Actress at the Gatlinburg Screenfest Film Festival. Natalie is slated to appear in Tanya Hawley's historical version of Bonnie and Clyde this fall with Hilary Duff, Cloris Leachman, Michael Madsen, and Rance Howard. Immediately following the October Sky Film Festival, Natalie will participate in the Secret City Film Festival seven-day shootout in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, where o- October Sky was filmed. When she's not filming, Natalie performs in four to six shows a year at Murray's Dinner Playhouse in Little Rock, Arkansas, the oldest family-owned dinner theater west of the Mississippi. 
She frequently speaks at schools and universities, civic organizations, and church groups, and has served as a panelist at several film festivals across the South. Tonight, Natalie is here to tell us a true story, Southern style, she calls From God's Country to Hollywood. Ladies and gentlemen, Natalie Kennerday. Thank you, thank you very much. My story tonight is a true story. It really did happen to me. A lot of people that look me up on the internet movie database on the new internet will uh, think that my, <laughs> well, uh, they'll think my first movie was Biloxi Blues. But actually my first movie was the Russellville story. Back in old slavery times in 1972, they started advertising in the Russellville, Arkansas newspaper that a movie was coming to be shot there. And if anybody wanted to be in it, you needed to come down, fill out forms, audition, and all like that at the top of the Bank of Russellville building. So, of course, I wanted to do it. I'd had dancing since kindergarten. I was crazy about being in front of an audience and having them clap. So, of course, I wanted to be in a movie, especially when it was going to be shot in my hometown. So, we went to Little Rock, came down here to Dillard's, bought me an outfit. <laughs> and we go to this meeting. And I, I truly don't remember much about the meeting, as starstruck as I was. I just thought, how cool is it that we are in the bank at night? Because I'd been to the bank a thousand times with my grandmother. They used to have these little cardboard things, and you put dimes in them, and when you got enough, you put it in your savings account. I love that. We did that all the time. And uh, this is in the days before VCRs and things, obviously. Uh, and so, anyway, I was tickled to death to be on the top floor of the bank at night, you know. Well, we go, and there's, oh, God, a hundred people in there, just not even room to sit down. And they talk, whatever. Well, you had to pay $10 a child for your kid to be in the movie. And that was, you know, quite a bit of money in 72, you know. So anyway, but of course, why mother wrote the check, you know, whatever. So they looked at us. We went to this table and they looked at you kind of by your size and shape and gave you some sides. That's what we in the industry call like a little piece of the script, your lines so that you're auditioning for, the parts you would get. And they were all little bitty parts, four and five sentences each, you know. And there was this one, and it said, sexy girl. And they, he handed it to me. Well, now, I was totally round. I was, you know, fat then, like I have gotten that way now. Uh, and I go, and he gives me sexy girl. And I had always danced in front of the mirror. I used to make up dances and loved looking at myself, because, you know, that's what actors do. And... Uh, <laughs> So, I get my part for Sexy Girl, and the plot of the Russellville story is that these mean kids are coming to town to rob a bank. And so, you had the mean kids versus the good kids that are trying to save the town of Russellville and its bank. So, anyway, the kids are talking about what they're going to do with all their money once they get it back and divvy it up. And one says something about, I'm going to buy me a this, and I'm going to buy me a truck, and I'm going to buy me that new wagon. And Sexy Girl says, I'm going to buy me some new clothes. Come up and see me sometime, big boys. Hand to God. 
And so, then at that, when that is over, all the boys sitting at the table are supposed to go, woo, woo. So I practiced. I got, my grandmother had a floor-length mirror. We didn't, but my grandmother did. So, and they just lived a block away from us, which is really cool to have that much family glommed into one town. And so... I'd get in her full-length mirror, and I would just look and be as sexy as a fourth-grade girl can be. <laughs> and I would just, you know, practice. And I learned my lines pretty quick, of course. And I'd just come up and see me sometime, big boy. <laughs> and, oh, just thought I was so good. Well, when I go to audition, Mother wanted me to wear another cute dress we had come to Little Rock and bought at the Dillard's. But I didn't want to. I had a brand spanking new dark purple hang tin pants outfit. <laughs> dark purple, if God could bleed, it would be this color. Beautiful dark purple. And it had the hang tin, the little colorful feet right up here above the bosom. And they were bell bottoms, of course, because it was 1972 in Russellville. So, I, and Mother begged me, she's like, honey, wear a dress. Little girls wear dresses. Don't wear that hippie crap. Well, anyway, I wear it anyway. And I go, and I see kids from my grade school, the other grade school, some girls I'd been in brownies with, all this stuff. And I started kind of getting nervous. And Mother was patting me. He's like, that's all right. Come on, you've been on stage a jillion times. You'll be all right. You'll do okay. I got up and couldn't be sexy to save my life. I got up there and literally... I'm going to buy me some new clothes, come up and see me sometime, big boy. <laughs> you know, I mean, completely screwed it up. Well, unbeknownst to me, my arch enemy from Dover, Arkansas, just up Highway 7, whose name was always in the newspaper, but that's the thing y'all need to know about actors. People always ask, oh, do you like seeing yourself up there on stage or up there on the screen? No, we want to vomit. No one likes it. If they tell you, they do their line. But I love to see my name, especially if it's spelled right. C-A-N-E-R-D-A-Y. They love to see my name. Well, Stacy Freeman from Dover, Arkansas, not only was my rival in my Sunday school class at the Fifth and Greenwich Church of Christ, I didn't want to go, but my grandparents made me every week. It's a long story. Anyway, and, uh, and of the two Church of Christ in Russell at the time, it was the uncool one. So that, you know, added insult to injury. But anyway, Stacy Freeman was always in the paper. Oh, my God, you couldn't open the Russellville Courier Democrat without her picture being in the paper because they were farm types. And she was showing her hog or, you know, doing her this. And she got a ribbon for that. And, blah, blah, blah. and she was in the paper. And I was like, I can tap dance circles around Stacy Freeman. Why am I never in the newspaper? You know, oh. And then for her to get my part as sexy girl in the Russellville story, Oh, Y'all can understand. Anyway, so I did get a part as just one of the extra bad guys, my first experience being in an extra. And we shot it. It was summertime when all the kids were out of school, burning hot, just the bowels of hell opened for us to make this little movie. And we're all at, like, the, the concrete picnic benches and stuff at the park, and we're sitting there, and again, I wore my purple hang tin bell-bottom outfit. And, you know, she gets up, Stacy Freeman gets up and does it, and I'm just like, Months later, months go by. There's going to be a premiere of the Russellville story. They start advertising it in the paper. It's on KARV radio. I mean, it's all over. We come back to Little Rock, go to Dillard's, buy me a premiere dress, of course, because I don't have one. And go, even my daddy's going to go. We're all going to go load up in the car and go see the premiere of the movie. 
we at that point in time there were only two theaters in Russellville, Arkansas. There was the 64 Drive-In out on Highway 64, which I dearly love, and that's where we usually went. Or there was the Ritz Theater that even my daddy's generation called it the Rats because it was in such bad shape back in his time. So they always had Saturday matinees. We saw bed knobs and broomsticks. Uh, oh, the scary cart, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. You know, Snow White, we saw every kind of movie they could make on Saturday matinees, but you had to sit with your feet up in the seat or rats would get you. Now, I never saw one. I don't know, but that was Russellville legend. And so on a Saturday afternoon late, they're going to have the world's premiere of the Russellville story at the Ritz. And we go, and I've borrowed this little fake stole from a neighbor. I mean, we go and just, you know, in the dead of summer, yeah. And we go. Well, so, these opening credits lasted longer than the Ten Commandments. It was on and on and on. Every child in Russellville, and they got their own screen, and it raised up, and then finally my name came up as, you know, the bad guys, and I was one of the bad guys. I think I was seventh down the thing, but my name was spelled right, C-A-N-E-R-D-A-Y. So I was very happy. The movie starts... We see the kids, oh, working and what they're doing. Then we see the bad kids right into town or things like that. Then we go, and it's coming up on my part. Everybody's talking about their money and what they're going to do and, and all this and that. The movie catches on fire. <laughs> Shortly as I'm about to roll my eyes at Stacey Freeman from Dover, who stole my part of sexy girl in the movie, right as I'm about to roll my eyes when the boys are going, woo, woo, you see this, I mean, it just caught on fire and just burned up. And so everybody, oh, you know, there's 300 people in the joint, you know, holding their feet up so they won't get bitten by rats. And the movie has caught on fire. So everybody's like, oh, oh, blah, 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 blah. There's a hubbub, there's a hubbub. They're like, they turned the lights on. Folks, it ought to just be another minute. Oh, whew, yeah, whew, whew. We sit there, we sit there, we sit there. Finally, a man came up and said, folks, I'm so sorry, there is another copy of the film, but it's in Tennessee. It would take too long to get it here, so we sure apologize and hope y'all liked what you saw. <laughs> Flash forward from that experience to 1987. I had just completed an internship at New Jersey Shakespeare Festival, which is basically the Peace Corps for theatrical people. Uh, oh, my God. I was the only person there from west of the Mississippi, so they thought my accent was just something else. So I'd just gotten back from that, and uh, I had signed up with an agent here in Little Rock, Arkansas, the agency. And Sarah Tackett called and said, I want you to go try out for a movie. Matthew Broderick's in it. Well, he was just the deal at the time. and come off war games and all this and that. And it's called Biloxi Blues. The auditions are up at Fort Chaffee, which that's just on past Russellville, which is God's country on up the interstate. So I go into audition. This little guy's reading with me. And I did it. I did a good job. It wasn't like, yes, you know, or anything like that. But I was okay. I didn't stammer or spit or anything. And so... I get through, and I literally had like a list of, you know, gosh, 12, 13 college plays on there, and that's all I'd done. I, did, I don't put the Russellville story on my resume. <sighs> Damn, that's Stacey Freeman. Anyway, so uh, I get through auditioning, and the man asks, now, where is Hendricks College? And I said, that's in Conway, Arkansas. It's about an hour and a half south east here. And he's like, oh, great, close to Little Rock. And I said, yeah, yeah, it's real close. We go there to drink. Uh, and I thought, well, maybe I shouldn't have said that, you know, anyway. So, 
And he said, well, thanks, you're, you're really good. And just out of nervousness, I was like, oh, well, thanks, you are too. I come back out towards the pretty swimming pool, and I knew a couple of boys from Little Rock that had come up there to audition, and one of them comes up to me and says, how'd you do, how'd you do, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I want a cigarette, oh God. I'm always more nervous after or something like that than before. And one of them says, what was it like to read for Mike Nichols? And I just had a spell. I don't know. I was like, oh, my God. Mike Nichols, for those of y'all who don't know, did little movies like, oh, The Graduates, Carnal Knowledge, you know. I mean, this stuff. His name is, was on my wall at the time. I had a poster from Annie because, of course, I'd been to New York. Well, anyway, so I, you know, I look at his name every morning when I wake up, and I was like, oh, that was Mike Nichols. I was like, God, I didn't know who he was because I really would have just bombed. Well, I know more than get back to Russellville an hour and a half drive, and they've already called the house saying, you've got it. Remembering the trials of the Russellville story, I didn't get my hopes up about any of this. Uh, I, I was supposed to go up the day before and meet at this beauty shop in the bad part of Fort Smith and they were going to put my hair you know you have to have period hair for a period movie so I go the night before and there's 20 30 girls in there all roughly my age we all kind of look like everybody's getting clippies putting their hair and it's like okay well good I assumed they all had seven lines in a movie you know that they all I would see them all tomorrow and we'd all have different things I never got a script get up the next morning I thought well, I need to have me a good breakfast before I go make my movie so I decided on a one biscuit and gravy that'd be good stick to you and everything that's all right you know nothing wrong with that it'd get me through the day Fort Chaffee was a Ford or maybe still is or there may be some gray area anyway our nation's finest was housed there during several wars and trainings and all this and that and so they've got the original buildings and then they've got all these mobile homes set up and I see some of the girls with clippies from the night before all of a sudden, bless his heart, the shortest man I've seen in person walks up with a clipboard. He's got a headset on, which was fancy in 87, and a clipboard. Slams it to the ground and goes, I give up. Does anybody know where the hell Natalie Cannerty is? And I raised my hand. That's me. And he said, oh, hi, I'm Glenn. Come right this way. <laughs> And I, I, you know, what in the world? And that we walk into this trailer, and it's like a mini beauty shop. There's four barber chairs and sinks and things, just like forevermore, like a beauty shop or barber shop in this trailer. And he's like, you, out of the chair. Natalie's got to get here. And so they moved this poor girl I'd been talking to last night. They put me in the chair. They started doing it. And, oh, where are you from? And blah, blah, and all this talk. Can we get you something to drink? Can we get you something to eat? We've got a catering truck. You know, would you like some chai tea? All this kind of, you know, and I'm just like, no, I had me a biscuit and gravy. I'm fine, you know. So anyway, we go, and uh, they put us on a little short bus over to the location, which was the, uh, the Barling City Hall. And for those of y'all across the country, Barling is located between Fort Smith and Paris, Arkansas. So there you go. They had taken the Barling City Hall and transformed it into the USO. And so, and it was real nice and everything. And Mike Nichols came up and he's like, how are you, Natalie? How are you this morning? Shook my hand, patted me. He's like, I'm okay. I'm all right. You know. And um, so he said, okay, what we're going to do, the camera's going to follow you. You guys just worry about dancing in a straight line. We'll make it look like it's turning. Don't you worry. I'll just do. Okay, everybody ready? Okay, everybody ready? Let's go. And I said, wait, wait, wait. I, I'm sorry. I hate to ask a dumb question, but do I need to talk as loud as I would during a play or, or not? And he said, that's not a dumb question at all. No, on the theater, on the stage, you have to project. But here, we have the miracle of microphones. Buddy, can we get her a mic? 
and I'm in my little 1942 dress, whatever, all of a sudden, I feel my hair being whooshed back behind me and something going right down through my bosoms, down by my tuchus. I'm like, what in the world? And I feel, I hear this, excuse me, I gotta get close. My petticoat is flying up and a man is strapping something to the fat of my thigh right under my buttock and I'm like, Okay, and I'm not a prude. You know, in dance recitals, we'd have to get necking people for a quick change all the time, so I'm not shy. But usually somebody will tell you first, you know. <laughs> it's, you know. So anyway, I'm just, something's going down the front of me, something's coming up the back of me. It's like, oh, okay, this happens to me every day. Well, <laughs> the thing going down my front was a microphone on a cord. The thing going around my, the soft of my buttock was a, uh, an ace bandage with a microphone pad thing stuck to I don't know, the sound guy knows what I'm talking about. But anyway, the, the male goes into the female and it hooks together and you have sound. So anyway, we're doing that and they're like, can you connect them? And I thought, well, God, y'all already violated me from both ends. How am I supposed to hunker and connect them? Anyway, so I do, and they're like, okay, check, 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 check. Okay, ready. And so we do it, and we did it in three takes. It only took three takes. But from going to the second take to the third, he said, um, okay, I want you to try this. And he brought Mark Jacoby, was the guy I was acting with, brought him aside to tell him something. And I just backed up rule number one on a movie, <laughs> besides don't be in the rest of the story, is <clears throat> always look before you move. Don't just start walking. Don't turn and just do. Don't sling your arms. Because I just started backing up to give them space and knocked over a tower of lights and went, oh, crap, I'm so sorry. I'm, and I go to pick them up, you know, in college or community theater, whatever. You knock something over, you pick it up. You know, we don't just leave tumped over stuff on the ground. So anyway, all of a sudden I go, oh, I'm so sorry, I'll get it. I go to pick it up. Here, whoa, 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 that's our job. Well, the union guys were getting mad like I was trying to steal their work. I said, oh, I'm so sorry, I just, I'm not from here. Anyway, so... We go on, we do the third take, and we're through. Well, they had reserved the room for me for three days at the Sheraton. And uh, Mike Nichols said, that's great. Everybody, that's a wrap on Natalie. Everybody half-heartedly claps. And I'm like, okay, thanks. This is just so odd. And he says, uh, I said, okay, well, now, do I drive back tonight, or can I spend the night, or I don't know what to do. And he said, oh, honey, I just love you. You are one of a kind. And I was like, well, I'm just asking. <laughs> anyway, so he says, you know what? The room's already paid for. You stay. Go on and stay. As a matter of fact, we're going to go see B.B. King Saturday night. He was playing at the Fort Smith something. He's like, I've got a ticket. You want to go? I was like, well, yeah. Who wouldn't want to do that? Free motel room, real nice swimming pool. I'm getting paid for nothing. Yeah, I'll go see B.B. King. Hang out. Sure. I tried, but I'm short. But my friend caught his guitar pick that he threw in the crowd. So anyway, every Saturday night, Mr. Mike Nichols would show an old-time movie there in one of the bar barracks at Fort Chaffee. And that's how I got to see Camille. He showed Carnal Knowledge one time. I got to see Citizen Kane. Uh, Sunset Boulevard, all these wonderful black and whites. He's just crazy about good black and white films. So every night we'd show up, bring our own beer and stuff, hang out. Or, you know, you could either bring your own beer or have Evian ice cubes with water. Um, <laughs> and see, I don't know the water was Evian. That's what's odd about that. If you're worried about botulism from the faucet, wouldn't you want your ice cubes and your water? We do the movie and everything. A year goes by. They used to take like a year to come out. And in the mail, I get a thing inviting us to the world's premiere up at Fort Chaffee at the theater they've got up there. So anyway, my mother and I doll up and go. We did go to Little Rock to Dillard's to get me an outfit, of course, to wear. And uh, 
<laughs> it wasn't purple bell bottoms. <laughs> anyway, and so we go, and it was so nice. It, it just it's so wonderful. And even though it was a little bitty park, because, see, I wondered if they'd cut me out of it. It wasn't important to the plot. It was, you know, seven lines with a guy that was just barely the star of it. And I was like, oh, I just don't know. Well, sure enough, I was in it. And the second I, I heard the song first, and it shows a mirror ball, then it comes down to us and follows us across dancing. And as soon as I saw the mirror ball and heard the music, I said, that's it, that's it, mother, that's it. I know that's it. She's like, oh, look at you, you're beautiful. And so, so I didn't get to hear my first few lines because mother was gone, gooing and gawing over me. But anyway, the point of this story is, whether it's the Russellville story or the multi-million dollar budgeted Biloxi Blues, movies are neat. <laughs> Well, welcome Natalie Canterday to Starving Artist Cafe here and at uh, Tales from the South. Thank you so much for doing your story for us tonight. What'd y'all think? You said that you love to see your name in the paper. So that's when you were young, but also now, is that something that still drives you? Yeah, because I'm not famous enough to be scandalous, you know. So uh, I like seeing the name and stuff. If it's spelled right, you know, and nobody can spell it. There's only the six blood kin know how to spell the thing. C-A-N-E-R-D-A-Y. But... uh, (laughs) Anyway, it's, uh, yeah, I like seeing it. I don't know. It's, I know it sounds queer, but it's just neat to see your name, like, in the black and white, like Natalie Kennedy. I don't know. I don't know. It's neat. So. I'd like rather see that than me. I never like seeing me. But. Well, I thought that was interesting how you talked about how um, actors don't like to watch themselves. Why do you think that is? Is it being critical, you think, or you're, you cr- you're critiquing yourself all the time? Or Yes, yes. I think most actors, or I don't know, we can ask the four or five over there at that table, uh, most... A, they're going to criticize their performance. How did they do? Oh, God, that was so plastic. You know, what was I thinking? Blah, blah, blah. So they'll criticize their performance. And then number B, they'll criticize the way that they look. They'll, you know, like, I I did a a thing for uh, Channel 7, the ABC local affiliate, one morning. We did a scene from a little play that we were doing several years ago. And that's the first time I noticed I had a crawl. A crawl is, they call it a waddle on Allie McBeal. It's the, the part of your fat that goes from your chin down to where an Adam's apple would be on a man. That's your crawl. It's your little, your little turkey fat. I was talking to our friend Nora Wells, who does radio out in Los Angeles, and I noticed, oh my God, I've got a crawl. I mean, I knew I had fat different places all over, but I never knew I had this crawl, and I saw myself, I'd taped it, I'd set the thing to tape it. And I was like, oh dear God, I've got a crawl. Yeah, so that's, that's real hard, you know, to do, so. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's fascinating. So Mike Nichols, is that the name of the, um, the director? Yes. Is it Mike Nichols? And so did you keep in touch with him after that? Or how did that, how'd your relationship with him work? I did for a few years. He gave me his cell phone, or no, 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 house number uh, in New York. And we, like I said, we, I'd go to the movies every week. I hung out for a month, you know. And uh, we got to be pretty good friends. And we would go eat sometime at the Red Barn in Fort Smith. I'd check in, like I didn't want to be obnoxious and just, you know, but uh, I'd call him once a year around close to Christmas. All right. Well, thank you so much, Natalie Canterday, for coming and being on Tales from the South tonight.
and thank you everyone for another fantastic evening at Starving Artist Cafe in the Argent Arts District of North Little Rock, Arkansas. Tonight is presented by William F. Lehman Public Library and sponsored by the Argenta Arts Foundation. Additional support provided by AY Magazine and the Winthrop Rockefeller Institute. You can find out more about us on our website, talesfromthesouth.com. Thank you, and we'll see you next week for more great Tales from the South. Good night, everybody. Writer accommodations for Tales from the South provided by Robinwood Bed and Breakfast in Little Rock. More at robinwoodbnb.com. And the Baker House Bed and Breakfast in North Little Rock. More at bakerhousenlr.com. Live sound and studio assistance provided by the UALR School of Mass Communication. You too can experience Tales in person as a member of our live audience. We're now traveling throughout Arkansas and the South, bringing Tales to your community. Details on hosting a live show, our schedule, and ticket information can all be found on our website, talesfromthesouth.com. Thanks for keeping the art of Southern-style storytelling alive. And we'll see you next week on Tales from the South.